We'll be reading this morning from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Good to see all of you here. I see some family members that came in to be with our folks for Christmas time. I'm glad that all of you are here. And thanks for making Brister a party or a holiday gathering. Uh, be praying for everybody through a busy week as people come uh, and go. And uh, this morning I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version because I grew up hearing this version of the Christmas story. This is the one that we just almost have memorized. Now I know there's a lot of problems sometimes with the old English language, but there's a poetic beauty in some of the passages of Scripture that we read uh, that just can't be surpassed as we look at this particular passage. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now, even to Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, even as it was told unto them. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that this story encompasses all of the gospel accounts of the life of Christ and all of the things we read following concerning salvation, concerning our eternal home, concerning comfort in times of trial, all this made possible through the coming of Jesus Christ. We thank you as we celebrate this season that your peace can transcend any circumstance. So we ask, Father, that you would apply your peace and comfort to hearts today. Help us to always focus upon you and the reason for the season and to feel that love and to share that love with others who need it the most. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
I want us to look just for a few minutes this morning at the statement. God still works even in hard times. Mary and Joseph were facing some very hard times. Now, some of their hard times were hard for everyone. The opening verses, it went, there went a decree out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And everyone had to go to the city of their lineage. Mary and Joseph were not the only ones displaced and on the move. Thousands were. That's why there was no room in the inn. Everybody was on the move because the taxing or the census or enrollment, you had to go to your ancestral clan or your hometown. This, of course, was verified years later by archaeological finds that that was actually verified that this is, this is what happened. It was hard for everyone because they were all traveling, but also hard emotionally because that meant that you were enrolling in a census for a, from a foreign government. That was the Romans. They were tightening their control on Israel. It says that all the world should be taxed. Some of your other English translations said that there was a census. They should be counted. All the same thing. That's why you're counting people. You want to know where they are. You want to know who they are. You want their address so you can mail them the tax statement. That's some hard times for the whole country. It's a bitter pill to swallow if you pay taxes to your own government. But if you have to pay taxes to somebody else's administration up in Rome, it was a tough time. It was a hard trip behind them. They arrive in Bethlehem after traveling 80 miles. It was either on foot or by horseback. Now remember, Mary is just about to deliver a child. And I can imagine Joseph coming home after getting the notice at work one day, said, pack them up, we've got to go. And she's saying, you've got to be kidding. In my condition, I'm going to travel 80 miles. Now, to put it into perspective, how far is 80 miles on horseback or foot? For those who like to go to Kirby Landing, 83 miles to Murfreesboro. Ride on horseback to Kirby Landing. New Boston, Texas. If you're going west, 74 miles. West cross it, 84 miles. You getting the picture of how far 80 miles would be? Jonesboro, Louisiana is 74 miles. Cushada is 86 miles. Any one of those towns would be where you're going on horseback or on foot just about to deliver a child. Took about three days of hard traveling. They had a hard trip behind them. And, and why did this happen? Well, you say, well, you just read. You just read that Caesar issued a decree that all the world should be taxed. That's why Joseph is going to Bethlehem. Well, Caesar may have issued a decree a few months before time, but God issued a prophecy 700 years before in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah says this, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, 
Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been from old, from everlasting. And this person is going to make his appearance in Bethlehem. Now, problem is, Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth. Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth. Well, why didn't he choose somebody from Bethlehem? You know, we're looking at the fact that, you know, God should have had a different road manager here. Look at why they're from Nazareth. Messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 ties in the coming Messiah to Galilee. Matthew says they went back to Nazareth because it is written he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, back in Isaiah again, it says they'll come forth a branch out of the root of Jesse. The word branch is the very same root word from which we get Nazareth. So we realize God chose Mary and Joseph who lived in Nazareth because that was where the prophecies were tied in. But the coming of the Messiah, the birth would happen in Bethlehem. How do we get them from point A to point B? And I figure, ladies, you would know there's no way you're traveling 80 miles unless you have to. There went forth a decree from Caesar Augustus. Caesar thought he was in charge. God had decreed it 700 years before. And they arrived in Bethlehem at just the right time. They had a hard night ahead of them. They got into town. It'd be kind of tough anyway because the inn was not like a hotel like we have it today where you had a nice bed and fluffy sheets and a hot shower. It was just a more or less a stall with a courtyard in the middle. And so you just generally had just kind of, you were in a barn. Well, they didn't have room in the barn, and they were in the open courtyard where they fed the animals. And the manger could be either the actual feed trough or the stable. But notice what the shepherds heard. This will be your sign. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Nothing different here. Babies are all wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. That's different. And that's where he was laid. And that's where she gave birth. God's word had prophesied this 500 years before, and it's quite interesting. You remember back in chapter 1, when God is explaining to Mary what is to take place. And she says, be it unto me according to your word. Now we read that, be it unto me according to the things you just told me. But what does she say? According to your word. According to God's word, she had to be in Bethlehem when it was time for that son to be born. And she was obedient to God's plan. Not only was it hard because of the trip behind them, the hard night ahead of them, it was a financial hardship. It took them at least three days to make this trip. Joseph was a carpenter, self-employed. You didn't work you didn't get paid. Joseph left, and for three days or maybe even more because of slow travel, he's not only incurring the expense of travel, but he's not getting a paycheck. So they had financial hardship, and they weren't well off to begin with. 
Later on, when it comes time for Jesus to be carried to the temple, to bring an offering and, and have the, the, the ceremony rituals, they gave those two turtle doves because they were too poor to afford a lamb. They were poor to begin with, and they were displaced, living in the courtyard of the hotel, laying their child in a manger, and they were not well off at all. About as hard as times could be for a family, don't you think? This family was looking at some hard times, but God still worked in the hard time. Not far away, there were some shepherds in the field. They were enduring a hard life. It says they were abiding in the field. What that meant is it wasn't just a camping excursion. That word abide means that's where they lived. They lived out there with those sheep. It was like a year-long camping trip. Uh, camping's good for about two or three days, and you're ready to go home. Well, they didn't have much home to go to. They were in the field just pretty much all year long. And they had a hard life because it wasn't a position that was regarded well in their culture. They were despised by the leaders of their day. They were so despised because they were dirty. They lived out and they camped and they wide open. They were lived outside. Because they weren't able to come and go in the temple or, or in the synagogues, the Pharisees and the scribes had pretty much declared them unfit to come into the temple ground, so they couldn't even come in and worship. They had a hard time. But who does the glory of God shine on? The glory of God comes and shines on these men. It's quite interesting. It says the glory of God shone round about them. I'm not sure how far back you have to trace in the New Testament to see the last time the glory of God shined on the earth, but it had been centuries. Centuries since the glory of God shone round about anybody, and he comes to these folks that nobody would have thought God would even have a second thought. They were the forgotten of society, just pushed out of sight, out of mind. People that lived in town, they didn't have any dealings with shepherds. They just forgot them. But who didn't forget them? God didn't forget them. And when God wanted to break the silence of the centuries, he chose working men. The glory of God shones round about them. He gave them some good news. In verse 10, he clearly says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You know what the Greek word for good tidings is? Gospel. Good news. So we talk about the gospel, and we think about something that happened later after the Great Commission. The angels came and brought them the gospel the day Jesus was born. And here are these lowly shepherds getting the gospel. And then here's interesting. No matter how lowly, no matter how despised by society, no matter how hard the life may be, it says in verse 17, when they had seen Jesus, they made abroad the saying that was told them. What was that saying that was told them? Gospel, good news. And you have to understand exactly what happened. 
These shepherds now were doing the work of the angels. How's that for a status in life? How's that for a new purpose? How's that for a new identity? They're not just shepherds anymore. They're doing the work of angels. They're spreading the news the angels just spread to them. They've now got a major purpose. They've got a task in front of them. They have got an identity of a messenger from God Almighty. And it says they took up the work of angels. And even in the hard times, it says they returned glorifying and praising God for all things. Where'd they return to? They returned back to the sheep. Every single one of them. They returned back to living outside. They returned back to having to eat whatever they eat over the campfire. Nothing improved. But it says that they were praising God. What changed? Not their circumstances. What changed? Condition of the heart. You see, in hard times, we can still praise God even because of the condition of our heart. Christmas time does that. Christmas time does that. But sometimes Christmas time reminds us of the hard times. Five years ago, on early morning of the 22nd, is when my mother fell. Christmas time, we were trying to make plans for Christmas. My mother fell and broke her ankle. And she's taken by ambulance to Magnolia and then to Texarkana. And her ankle was set because of the anesthesia, the medication, some other complications. My mother was very confused for several days. And we had to stay with her 24 hours a day. And I remember Christmas Eve eating supper at Applebee's in Texarkana. I'd never done that on Christmas Eve. There was always a family gathering somewhere. And I spent the night, Amy and I and Keith were swapping out, and I spent the night, Christmas Eve, staying with my mother, helping her get settled in at the rehab center. They had just moved her. My mother was not feeling well. She was in pain. It was, it was a long night. Some hard times. My mother passed away before the next Christmas. And I remember going to her house. It was vacant. And we were just looking after it, going to her house about the time she fell. And I was standing in the driveway and some, some words came to me about how different things were and how about how things had changed. And it was the first Christmas, of course, without my mother. And I begin to remember this will never be the same. Things will always always be different from here on out. Well, some words came to me. I didn't write them down, but just pretty much put them on the back shelf. Thought about them two or three times during the Christmas season and then through the rest of the year. And then the next Christmas, same thing came. And I, I just didn't do anything with that. Uh, and then, of course, through the course of this year with what we've been through, I sat down and some words just came and I put them down. Now, I want to tell you, your pastor's not a poet at all. But I summed up kind of what we're going through. Because, see, for me, Christmas was always growing up, and kids can relate pretty much. It's always such a magical time. 
You know, we came up and uh, my mother uh, had several sisters and they were real tight, which means us cousins were tight. And I mean, we were a rat pack of folks, of little cousins, a whole big bunch of us. And we would always have Christmas time down at Papaw Rogers' house, Papaw and Mamaw's house. We would all get together. It was always a magical time, and I guess we just felt like it would always be that. Well, you don't think about anything changing, but oh man, it was a happy time. We always had something going. And even the grown-ups got into it because the sisters were tight, but my dad and his brother Rudolph and Uncle Harold, Uncle Dude Burleson and John Bailey, man, they were a rat pack in and of themselves. They always had something going. There was always something happening. It was just a happy, magical time. And we always looked forward to being there, and the cousins got together, and there was fireworks. Oh, it was great. It was great. When you get, you know, some preteen boys with bottle rockets, it's just a beautiful time. It was and the food, oh, it was good. And we're all crammed into this little house down in the country. And, you know, we just, to me, that was what Christmas was all about. And, and then we, we all grew up and kind of got scattered, and my granddad passed away. And after that, you know, things changed. And it occurred to us it'd never be like it was when we were kids. And then, of course, as we grew up and everybody got scattered and the, the, the other grandparents grew old and, and through the years, it, it never was the same. And, and I began to look at that, and it occurred to me, this is, this is a year like no other in our church. Every year, we have people like us who lose loved ones through the years. But I don't know if there's ever been a year like this year. We counted them up last night, and I think we counted 17 immediate family members that have passed away in our church family this year. And this is the first year. And so, uh, you know, I look around the room, some have lost a husband, one lost a wife, many of you lost a daddy, some of you lost a mother, some lost a brother, some lost a sister and a daughter. And if we get to talking about grandparents, there's over 23 or 24 family members that have passed away. Because I look around and see many of you that have lost grandparents. And I know this is the, the first time, the first Christmas, but I think we can, all, we can all verify. It doesn't matter whether it's this year, 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. It's, holidays always bring up the memory of those we love, and that's understandable. But, you know, it's a mix, isn't it? So I begin to look at that, and I just wrote down these words. Now I just want to share these with you. And, uh, I mean, it's Christmas time, so if, if you'll indulge your pastor to share these with you. And uh, I just thought probably I'm not the only one that feels this way. I often remember those holidays going by when our families would all get together. Grandfolks and cousins and aunts and uncles, life just couldn't be any better. Food and laughter and fun for us kids, the magic of Christmas gifts given, the house so full of happy chatter, I tell you, it was pure heaven. The years came and went, the kids all grew up, and the grown-ups we loved then grew old. One by one they left us, all too soon, with memories that are worth more than gold. 
Now empty chairs remind us of those happy times with those that we love so dear. The holidays still bring love and laughter, but also brings us tears. Our hearts now fill both joy and pain when comes the month of December, the ache of the absence of those we still love and always will remember. Fond memories of such happy times we wish that would just last forever. Now remind us of that other home where we'll always be together. You know, our loss is great this year, but we still have a lot left. We still have a lot left. There's still a lot of love left in this room. There's a lot of love left in our homes. And regardless of what else has changed, there's still that peace that passes all understanding that's available with Jesus Christ because of that birth of that baby in a manger. That has stayed the same. And that will carry us through. And I'm going to ask as we prepare for an invitational hymn that we pray for those that have lost loved ones this year. Those of us that lost loved ones through the past years. I don't think there's anybody in the room exempt, is there? But as we remember those happy times, let us remember and rejoice in those times to come. Made possible by the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Let's pray for each other. Let's love each other. And if you need to know this Savior, don't leave here as we stand and sing.